Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with bite clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. From 30 Rockefeller Plaza in New York City, please enjoy this podcast edition of Late Night with Seth Meyers. On today's show, you'll hear an exclusive interview with musician Rufus Wainwright, conducted by the H.E. Band's own Eli Janney. They discuss Rufus's career in music and their shared experiences in the industry. Now let's go to Eli and Rufus. Hello, Late Night Podcast listeners. This is Eli Janney from the AG Band, and my guest today is the wonderful Rufus Wainwright. Rufus has created 10 full-length albums, including three live albums, two operas, has collaborated with Robert Wilson on a theater show, setting Shakespeare to music. He's also won a Grammy, a Brit, and two Juno well, Awards. I, ha- I haven't won a Grammy. Oh, well, I sort of won. I sort of won. I had a song that was on a, a Grammy-winning Yes, record, that so. counts. Yeah, yeah. So it's, <laughs> I had a, chunk, a chink. <laughs> there you go. See? Uh, his most recent single, Sword of Damocles, is a political parable directed at Donald Trump. Yes. Welcome. Thank you. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. I'm uh, having a beautiful day here with, with your fabulous With our whole show entourage. and crew. Yes. Okay. Yeah. No, it's um, lovely. So... Just for our listeners I, who may not know you as well, you were born into a very musical household. Yes. Both your parents were very established musicians, but you've never shied away from performing or writing. No, It was no, never, uh, was, no, was it no. just assumed that it you were going to be? It was assumed very early on. Really? I mean, there's, there's, in fact, there's many kind of faded 70s Polaroids really? of me in diapers kind of reaching towards the piano <laughs> in agony. Uh, there was never a, a line drawn between, you know, me and the stage. It really? Your parents right were just away. totally into it. Well, I mean, well, were... I mean my, my, my mom was into it. My yeah. dad was horrified. Really? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think he was just, because he was a performer. He's a performer. He's a yeah. great singer-songwriter. Yeah. Still works today, um, and I think he was, you know, pretty set in being the, um, you know, the center of of, ah, of attention, okay. and I you know, the uh, the uh, the star of the show. Right. And uh, and then all of a sudden, this toddler, you know, was, was kind of <laughs> trying to take over. Um, and my mom uh, instantly, you know, took that on as her co-celeb <laughs> as well so it was uh and this is oh, all in the midst of 70s you know folk rock divorce yeah. situation so it was, it was, uh, yeah. it was and it you, was you started performing with her very early right? uh yeah around six you know that's uh, yeah that's pretty that's early, pretty I early. Guess. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty early yeah what happened is that my mom you know once 
once she and my dad split up, she she took my sister and I up to Canada, right. um, and we were brought up in Canada because she was Canadian. And uh, she and her sister Anna, who were part of the McGarrigal sisters, which were a great duo, um, they uh, they really toned it down in terms of their touring to bring up children. And uh, so we weren't you know dragged throughout the world. Oh, you weren't raised on, on the road. No, exactly. we weren't. No, oh, okay. No. okay. But you have been touring on your own as a as your own artist for a long time. Yes. I toured basically from 2001 to 2002 and then had kids and I started like <laughs> stop touring, but you've just kept on powering yeah, on through. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. has it changed a lot? Your attitude towards the stage? Uh, well, you know, it's interesting. I, I, I have this constant memory to this day where, where I remember it was, I'd finished my first album 20 years ago and I had some show opening up for someone in, in DC and the record company had sent a limo for me, which is, you know, ancient history. <laughs> and uh, and I got in the limo and it was and I remember it was springtime and the and the cherry blossoms were out, yeah. you know, in, in, in Washington. And I was kind of driving along this road and the cherry blossoms were kind of blowing in the wind and I was off and I was and I remember distinctly saying, This is the beginning of the rest of my life of touring. <laughs> I could totally see at that moment that this was, you know, the beginning of a twenty year at least process so so i it always it always harkens back to that moment wow that's a pretty good one (laughs) that's pretty funny in a limo with the cherry blossoms coming down that's amazing yeah Yeah, yeah. you know distinctly downhill (laughs) but (laughs) on many in in many ways you know when you think of it happening in dc yeah i guess so yeah I grew up in D.C. I know all about it, believe me. But now you're out there touring on poses, right? Is this what this tour is? Yeah, well, this tour is a a 20th anniversary celebration of my first two albums. It's uh, my uh, 20 years ago was was Rufus Wainwright, my eponymous Mm -hmm. debut. uh, And then we did poses. So this tour is both of those records. Did you always play those songs off that record? Yeah, I played a lot of them over the years. But you never Um, never went through a period. I know some musicians, they go through a period, especially if they have like a hit they can't stand the song oh, after yeah. a while. Well, I had, don't. I had that somewhat with the song Hallelujah, because uh, <laughs> I, I did a version of that yeah, uh, yeah. for Shrek years ago that stuck. And for many people, that's how they identify me is, is with that, that oh, song, really? Hallelujah. So, and, and as we all know, and even Leonard would tell me um, that uh, it's, you know, we're pretty sick of that number. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Cause but, it's, but it does yeah. not seem to want to go away. No, so, it's so, become... and, for, and for a long time, I was, I was a little frustrated about it, but now I've embraced it. And, and uh, you know, I, I owe a lot to that. That's piece good. Of music. You still perform it live? Uh, yes, I do. I do. Yeah. Yeah, Weddings, funerals, (laughs) political events. Um, you know, you know, I have two teenage boys <laughs> and even they like, oh, yeah, yeah, we know that song. Yeah, like, that's know, a song. I, I was like, yeah, he did a very popular version of that song. Yeah. I just wonder, because some people go through periods where they hate the song and then they come back to it. But yeah. going back. I mean, to- I, you know, I had actually agreed. I had made a sort of deal with myself that I wouldn't sing it until I would stop singing it if Donald Trump became president. Um, And I'd sort of told everyone, you know, in the audience every night before the election that that was what I would do. So as a kind of, you know... Uh, so I guess maybe secretly people hate that song. Anyways, but uh, maybe that's what caused everything. They were to happen. they're trying to uh, but, kill but, the song. But then, but then that happened, and then and I didn't sing it for a while. Uh, but then sadly, Leonard died. Leonard yeah. Cohen died, and so I I, I brought it back because yeah. death trumps Trump. Yeah. <laughs> 
So speaking of Trump, this Sword of Damocles song and video, which is a great video, was this inspired for the midterms? It was, or? you know, it's interesting because though it's it's addressed to the president, it's not about him mm-hmm. necessarily. It's just, it's a song that I wrote during the whole process, um, bef- you know, before and after the election where I, as well as many others, I think had this deep sense of foreboding. Yeah. Um, and even though we all, you know, were really excited about, you know, having the first female president, I think mm-hmm. deep down we knew that something was, was, was off. Mm-hmm. So, so that's when the whole concept of the sort of Damocles sort of arose. And I, you know, cause I'd heard it mentioned here and there, namely by my old friend, Carrie Fisher, who sadly passed as well. But she, um, she was talking about it in some conversation and it just kind of stuck. And then, then the election happened and I finished the song after that. And, uh, and it's really about everybody, you know, and about just the general need for, um, cataclysm <laughs> that, uh, that we're, you know, faced with now um and that you know even though i i don't think it's been a fabulous outcome i do think it's been a necessary one in order to just to come to terms with a lot of realities it's an interesting idea yeah that you have to go through suffering in order to to have an epiphany kind of let's suffer people and (laughs) have a great oh we're suffering that's for sure (laughs) you've written many many songs solo collaborations you've done artist works are you constantly writing songs is this something that you just do or do you sit down and say now it's time to write a collection of songs or how do you decide when you have I an just, album i write all the time you just i mean write I, time. yeah no it's a it's a never-ending happy um, or sad yeah just, it's a never-ending uh resource uh, hopefully never-ending <laughs> uh or at least it seems that way at the moment and uh and in a lot of ways i mean i will say that um not so much now, but but there have been periods in my life where I've actually had to sort of step away <laughs> from writing and just realize that I'm a human being and yeah. and that I have to deal with you know some personal things um, as like everybody else does. So um, I'm not really concerned about my creative output, mm-hmm. and though that, that that I think is initially a great thing, it does have its tribulations at times. But do you, how do you how do you decide when you have an album? So you're constantly writing. You've yeah. got because I remember there was a story about on your first record you recorded 56 songs. Or yeah, something like yeah, that. yeah. Well, for this last one, I'm making. I'm working now with Mitchell Froome. Oh, really? The producer on on my awesome. new album, He's and that'll, that'll come out in, in about a year's time. But yeah, so I'm doing that, and then uh, and I will say that for even this record, there's about you know 36 songs <laughs> that I'm that I'm milling through, uh-huh. you know, in order to figure out which ones work. So. Oh, so, so you always write. Yeah, a I always way have a ton. Yeah, you always have and way, how do you more. group them by theme, or is it just a just um, by you know, will they make money or not? <laughs> <laughs> I don't in, think in, in that's some true. Way, in some form. And how's that worked for you? No, yeah, not well. <laughs> to write a lot of songs, <laughs> they all make a little bit of money. <laughs> each one, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Each, we call it the, yeah, the yeah, yeah. Instead of a cash cow, it's a cash yeah, mouse. Yeah, this it's little squeak of mouth. Cash ant farm. <laughs> <laughs> So how did you get into writing operas? You've written two now. Yes. The latest one was just performed, yes, right? Just yes, this fall? Yes, Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, Hadrian um, uh, was it's, performed always, in Toronto that, by the Canadian Opera Company. Yep. That seems like such a, a intimidating field of music. That well, I, I, I mean, I became a huge opera fanatic when I was about 13. Okay. Um, so I've always loved that kind of music. Um, and it was incredibly daunting, 
uh, for a long time, the concept of it. But mm-hmm. after a while, I figured, I don't know, I tend to put myself in, in that kind of position, <laughs> insecure position just to, uh, I don't know, get over it. So yeah, I know I wrote my first one, Prima Donna, and then and, and things went well. And now I, I've written my second, and I'd, li- I'd like to write a third, and that's about it. Okay. I'll be done with opera. Concord opera, done. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to have a trilogy and that's, that's, that's it. You're done. I think it's incredible that you did it. That seems oh, like thank a crazy... Well, you know what? One of the main things for me was, was I love orchestrating oh, and, okay. and just being able to focus and learn about, you know, colors that an orchestra can provide was very exciting to me. And did you have a lot of training doing that? I mean, I went to music school for briefly at at McGill, McGill, uh, but, uh, but, but not a ton of training. Uh, I studied piano for many years, but, uh, you know, certainly with technology, the technology that's available today, it's a lot easier. It's the time now. One last question. I was looking back on your touring and you've toured with some pretty amazing people. But it's a very eclectic group. It's yeah. like you toured with Roxy Music. Yes, yeah, that was wow. a great. That was a great tour. Actually. That's really cool. And then more recently, I mean, wasn't that recent? But you toured with Cindy Lauper. I've done okay. shows with Cindy Lauper. Okay. Yeah, was it? Yeah. A, it wasn't a whole tour because no, I was like, no, I think I did a few. I, I've worked with her on and off. Really, uh, here we and just there. had her drummer yeah. playing with us. That's why. I like yeah, her. no, she's amazing. She's just. Um, Timeless, <laughs> timeless energy. <laughs> That's pretty cool. I, I definitely admire some of your choices on that because I was like, wow, Roxy music. I wouldn't think of that pairing for some reason. Not that I wouldn't work, but yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a really cool. No, Roxy music was great. That was a lot of fun. I was a huge fan. That's why I was. <laughs> anyway, thanks so much. Thank you. Want more late night with Seth Myers? Be sure to follow the handle at Late Night Seth on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat. You can also watch full episodes of Late Night at LateNightSeth.com or on the NBC app. And please tell your friends who are fans of Seth Meyers to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. It's all a lighthearted nightmare on our podcast, Morbid. We're your hosts. I'm Alina Urquhart. And I'm Ash Kelly. And our show is part true crime, part spooky, and part comedy. The stories we cover are well-researched. He claimed and confessed to officially killing up to 28 people. With a touch of humor. I'd just like to go ahead and say that if there's no band called Malevolent Deity, that is pretty great. A dash of sarcasm and just garnished a bit with a little bit of cursing. This motherfucker lied like a liar like a liar and if you're a weirdo like us and love to cozy up to a creepy tale of the paranormal or you love to hop in the way back machine and dissect the details of some of history's most notorious crimes you should tune in to our podcast morbid follow morbid on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen to episodes early and ad free by joining wondery plus in the wondery app or on apple podcasts